Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Today I'm going to share again with the book of Ephesians. We've been going through a series called In Christ and essentially just going through Ephesians chapter by chapter, verse by verse, just looking at what Paul said to the church of Ephesus and how that pertains to our lives now. And I believe this is the sixth sermon, maybe the fifth one. I'm not so sure. I'm sure it's in the bulletin. It is six. Cindy is on top of it. It's number six that we've done through here. Um, And today we're going to kind of look at Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus in chapter 3, verse 14. You can open there. We're not going to quite jump there quite yet. Um, But chapter 3, verse 14, Paul has this prayer that he says to the church of Ephesus, and it essentially kind of lays out four things, four things that he's trying to tell them that they need to have inside them. They need to let the Lord do through them. And so, you know, like any good pastor, when we're talking about prayer, I went and I looked and tried to see what kids pray about. Have you ever listened to a a small child pray? There's two ways that they pray. One is absolutely incredibly weird, and the other one is absolutely incredibly in-depth and just astounds you with how much they pray. I mean, they could pray for their dog, but then they could also pray for their best friend's mom in such a way you're just like, huh? Are you 30 on the inside? Right? So... Instead of, I, I could have came up with some really, really serious ones, but I think the funnier ones are better. So I've got some prayers that some kids have told to God, and we're going to look at them this morning. So the first one is, dear God, my mom tells me you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of those mysteries. I get it. I get it. I understand that broccoli's not that great. Some of you guys like broccoli. I don't know what's going on in your brain. Broccoli is nasty. The only way that is good is if you eat it raw. So... Here we go. Here's another one. Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. (laughs) I don't know how that correlates, but okay. These two kids, those two kids, like child at my, that's me at heart. It's like, yeah, I don't really mind a salad, though. Here we go. Please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. (laughs) Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. <laughs> Dear God, can you, get a smartf- can you get me a smartphone? Santa must have forgot. I don't know what Santa was doing. Dear God, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. Dear God, I promise to never say those words again, at least until my next shots. Dear God, don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. <laughs> this last one's kind of serious and kind of funny. It says, Dear God, I hope my dog is in heaven with you. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. <laughs> I have a dog like that. I, I We got a new dog. It's probably been a couple of months, six months now. I don't know how old he is. He's annoying. He just grabs every sock in the house that he can find. It doesn't matter if it's clean. It doesn't matter if it's dirty. It's like, dude, where did you even find that? All the doors are shut. Stop it. Right? Anyways, dogs. But isn't it funny what we pray about, even in our own lives? When you think about the things that we pray, I'm not saying that we pray about a lot of weird things like children do because they literally pray about everything. 
But we pray a lot about the physical side of things. We take time and we pray about a lot about the circumstances and the things that are going on in our life. And that's a really, really good thing. But when we see and we look here in, in uh, the book of Ephesians, what Paul is praying about is all internal. Paul is praying about the internal self. And a lot of his prayers, when you read pretty much any of his letters to churches, when he prays about something, yeah, sometimes he prays about the physical side. He wants the physical church to be okay, but he's praying about the spiritual needs of the church. And when we read here in Ephesians 3, you're going to see that he prays specifically that God would do work inside their hearts, that God would change them from the inside out. It's almost like when Paul's preaching, he's understanding that if they change on the inside, the outside becomes okay. The, the outside world could be falling apart, but when we're right on the inside with God, the outside world doesn't really matter. Not saying that it doesn't matter in the sense we should just forget about it, but we're at peace knowing that God's got our back. We're at peace understanding that God knows where we're at and he understands the struggles that we're going through. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and we're going to open them to Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14. Last week, Pastor Rex talked about the mystery that is Christ, the mystery that was revealed to the Gentiles, and that the church is supposed to kind of bring that on to the rest of the world. And he's picking up here, and it literally the subheading in this Bible says, Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. So we're going to pick that up. Verse 14 says this, and I'm speaking out of the New Living if you have that. When I think of all this, he could be referring to his prayer that was in chapter 1, or he could be referring to what happened just before this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow into God's love and keep you strong. And may you, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish indefinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God. As we dive into your word today, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, that we would take this word that you've given us and we would apply it to us in such a way, God, that it would change us. God, don't let us ever come into any study of the word, whether it's in personal or where it's here as a congregation, and not walk away with something that we can use. But God, let us take your word, hear it, and use it. So this morning, speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, God. And let us be different than when we came in those doors. And we just thank you for that in your name. Amen. So Paul here is praying for four things. Four things that he is almost saying is essential. One, for the church in Ephesus. But two, for any believer that wants to know God. Any believer that wants to live a life full of what God has for him. And so the first thing he's saying is Paul prays that the church would have inner strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants the church in Ephesus to have that inner strength, right? And that comes from his unlimited glorious resources. How cool is that? His resources are glorious and unlimited. 
That means when he's pouring that out to the church, when he's saying, you know what, I want this for every person, it doesn't run dry. It doesn't mean that this half of the room gets it and this half doesn't. It's saying that this is available for anyone that believes in Jesus. This is available for anyone that truly desires to want to know God, that they would have this inner strength because it's through his resources. It will never run dry. It's for everyone. And one way that the commentary put it about this inner strength, it says this, it's only when we yield to the spirit and let him control the inner man that we succeed in living for the glory of God. This means feeding the inner man the word of God, praying, worshiping, keeping clean, and exercising the senses by loving obedience. That's the inner strength. When we totally allow the Holy Spirit to control who we are on the inside, we're becoming full of who he is. And here's the cool thing. It's not something that you can accomplish on your own. That inner strength isn't something that we gain just by being a better person. It isn't something that we gain just by becoming better at reading the word. It's something that we gain through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not saying that you don't have a part to play, but it's saying that the majority of the work is done by God in our lives. And here's the deal. Having that inner strength, it's the power to live for Christ. It's the power to live a life for Christ. How many of you guys know the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. That's the inner strength that when we're filled with the Spirit, we get those fruits that apply to our lives, that, that come out of our lives. I don't know about you, but when I try to do things for myself, a lot of times it's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's, you know, I'm frustrated. This day is not going great, whatever it might be. But we need to be filled in inner strength by God. It's the power to walk the path that we need to walk to accomplish the things that God has set out for us. The verse that I posted up there, Romans 8, 9, says this, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So it's the power to live a life for Christ. And it's the power to overcome and conquer sin, Right? When we have the Spirit inside of us, when we're strengthened by God, by the Spirit, it's the power to overcome sin. How many of you guys have ever tried to overcome sin or addiction by yourself? It's really hard, isn't it? It's almost impossible to do those things on your own. That's why we need help. It's good to have people that are backing us up, good to have people that are saying, hey, how are you doing in that area? But it's also better to have God in our lives working through us. We can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Spirit to overcome sin, right? Romans 8, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful urges you to do. We're not obligated to do those things. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So because we have the Spirit in our lives, because God strengthens us through His Spirit, we can overcome sin. We don't have to worry about all those things that we keep doing over and over again. We can say, God, I know that you can help me with this. So please do. Help me overcome this sin. And I'm not saying that it's going to be like this. For some people it is. Some people, He miraculously sets them free from sin. But others, it's a day-by-day -day walk where you're continually going back to God and saying, God, I need more of you. God, I need more of you. God, I struggle today, but I need more of you. It's the power to overcome sin through his spirit. 
Because of the Spirit's work in our lives, we can overcome sin. We can overcome the urges that we face. And we can overcome the temptations. So the first thing that he prayed for the church in Ephesus is that they would be strengthened by the Spirit on the inside. And the second thing he prays is that the church would have spiritual depth. And there's, there's two words here that he uses for spiritual depth. It talks about rooted and grounded. And I have these verses up there, these definitions up there. That's the next slide. It says, rooted is established deeply and firmly. Grounded is well-balanced and sensible. A lot of your parents probably wished you were grounded. Not grounded in the sense that you lose everything, but that you're well-balanced and sensible, right? If you're a parent, your, your hope for a kid is that they're, they're well-balanced. You know, they're not a loony bin, right? Anyway, sorry, bad joke. Anyways, moving on. Rooted and established deeply and firmly. So because of that inner strength, Christ dwells in our hearts, and we can be rooted in him. When I was 18, 19 years old, and Pastor Joe was still the pastor here before he passed away, um, we used to cut a lot of firewood out on his property for people in the church that just couldn't cut anymore. And so we're like, hey, we, I've got the manpower. I'm young, and I bought a chainsaw for it. I don't know if I was super great at it, but I did it just because how can you mess up cutting a tree besides, like, cutting your leg off or dropping a tree on you, right? It's like just chop the log. You're good. Make it sure it's the right size. Anyways, we would go out to his property, and a lot of the times we just pull limbs and, and trees that had already fallen down out into the open, and we'd chop them up, throw them in the back of his truck or a trailer that he had. But there was a few times where he knew where a standing dead tree was. It's a tree that was just standing on his property, already dead. And we'd have to go out there and cut it down. And, and his thing was, we go out there, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to wedge the back, and we'll, we'll just drop it this way because there's nothing over there. Well, one time I was out there, he's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. I've already seen this tree. I know that it's good. He literally walks up to this tree, grabs it, and starts shaking it, and then just pushes it over. I'm like, no. That's awesome. Well, the, the deal was is it's super sandy out there. He lives down by the river, actually where Daniel and Emily live now. And it was super sandy next to the river, so the tree never had to grow deep roots because all the water was right there. And so when it died, those roots had no grip. Those roots were just in the sand, and you could literally just push the tree over. That's what it's like when we're not rooted or grounded in God. When we don't have that spiritual depth, when bad times come, not if bad times come, when bad times come, we can just be pushed over. So Paul's prayer was that the church would have that spiritual depth, would be able to dig deeper into God, right? The deeper we're in Christ, the more we're able to weather the storms of life. The deeper we're in Christ, the more that when life throws junk at us, it doesn't necessarily not affect us, but we understand that our peace and our hope and our trust is in something that's a lot bigger. We have that depth. We have that spiritualness to say, you know what? God's got my back like I was talking about earlier. And then it talks about being grounded. And, and the word there is almost like a foundation being built. When we have the right foundation and we're built upon what God has for us, we can withstand the storms of this life. You know, the, the parable says the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. When we set that right foundation and we have that depth and we're saying, you know what, God, I want to know you more and more and more. We set the right foundation. Then when bad times come, we're good. And that's what Paul was praying for the church. He's like, understand that there's going to be some bad times. 
I mean, if you look in the book of Acts, they literally had the Holy Spirit poured out, and then not so much later, they were persecuted and had to scatter. If they weren't trusting in Jesus, this whole movement of Christianity would have ended right there. But they understood that, hey, I serve something better. My faith comes from them. And so they ran for it. So we need to have that foundation, and that spiritual foundation is, is his word. If you don't know this, how can you fight back against what the enemy's throwing at you? If you don't know his word, how can we say to the world, that's not right. God is, God is saying something different. Because there's a lot of darkness in our world, isn't there? There's a lot of things out there. I mean, even since I've been alive, it's just been a crazy last 15 years, right? How many things have changed in the last 15 years away from what God had? And it's because as a nation... We haven't built ourselves upon what God has said. At one point it was, but it's not anymore. So we need to have that spiritual death. And then the third thing he said is that we, as a church, Paul prays that the church would comprehend Christ's love. I love the, I love the way he puts this. I want you to comprehend Christ's love, but it's too big to understand. Did you catch that in those verses that we read? It says, let me just find my right paper here. It says this right here. It says that you may have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how deep, and how high God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. So he wants us to grasp it, but he's also saying, you know what, this is almost too great. And it's almost like, okay, so... This is kind of going against each other here. What's the deal? Well, I'm taking it as a sense that we're never going to fully comprehend and we're going to be continually surprised by how much God loves us. How many of you guys remember that, that special thing that you had? Like maybe you got a new car or maybe you got whatever it is. Guys, maybe you got a brand new gun or a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, and you just wanted to show everyone. And you're like, God loves me. Look what he's done in my life. That first time we were saved and we experienced that love that Christ gave us, we wanted to tell everyone, God set me free from so much. We're being, continually being uh, showed how awesome his love is, continually being showed how awesome his love is. Do we truly comprehend Christ's love? Do you comprehend the price that Christ paid for our lives? You know, there's a lot of times I sit there and, when I read about the story of Jesus being nailed to the cross, and you read the Old Testament where it says not even an inch of his body was left unscarred. And he was willing to do that for a sinner like me. Even though I was still a sinner, he died for me. Can we comprehend that? Would we do that for someone who was against us? Would we die for them? Most of us probably wouldn't. But yet Christ did. And he wants us to, Paul wants us to comprehend that. There's a hymn I found that kind of talks about Christ's love and how awesome it is. It's called literally the love of God is the name of this hymn. And the third verse says this. It says, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies made of parchment or skies of parchment made where every stock on earth a quill and everyone ascribed by trade. To write the love of God would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. 
That's how deep, how wide God's love is. It's unmeasurable. And it's not just for random select people where he's saying, I only love Daniel. Not Scott. Sorry, Scott. It's for everyone. Like the most popular verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God loves us all. And it's really hard to grasp that concept of how much he loves us. But he, when we do, when we, we start to understand that he loves us no matter what we do, it becomes an amazing thing in our lives. So that's the third thing that he prays for. And then the last thing that he prays for is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. When we accomplish the first three things, when we are strengthened in the inner man by his spirit, when we have spiritual depth and we start to comprehend God's love for us, then that's when we become full of what God wants us to be full of. When you grasp all three of those things, it means that God will show through every detail of our life. When people look at you, they're going to be like, man, that person's different. There's something that has changed about them. What is it? And that's because we're full of who God is, right? One of my favorite skit guys' skits is called God, God Chisel. And essentially at one point in this skit, this guy says that he's junk and God pops up. He's like, dude, I don't make junk. I don't make junk. And the guy's like, okay, whatever, God. I, I just, I just want to be what you want me to be. And so God's like, all right. And he pulls out a hammer and a chisel and starts chiseling away at this guy saying, I'm going to take away everything in you that needs to be so that you can be what I created you to be. So he starts chiseling away, and there's a time where he's like, oh, God, God, that's too hard. When is enough enough? When do I need to stop being chiseled on God? And God's like, look in that mirror. What do you see? And the guy's like, you know, he's like flexing and everything. He's like, I see me. And God's like, exactly. I need it so that when other people look at you, they see me through you. That's what it means to be full of the fullness of God. So that when other people look at us, they don't see necessarily see us, but they see Christ's love through us. They see God through us in such a way that our life is a witness to him. Our life is a witness to those people, and they're like, you're different. There's something about you that I need. That's what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. Be filled with the fullness of God. And that's why it's so important for us to continually seek God, to read his word, and to know him on a personal level. Because if we're not continuously filled with God, we will be filled with something else. There will be something that takes up those spaces in your life when you're not giving them to God. And I'm not saying they're necessarily bad things. But if it takes the place of God in your life, it is. Right? So be full of the fullness of God. So we looked at Paul's prayer and all these things that he was praying for the church of Ephesus. How can we apply this to our life? What can we do to take this message that Paul had for them and apply it to us? Well, the first thing is we need to dig deeper into our relationship with God. One of my things that I've heard said is that the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying. The moment we stop growing closer to God, stop getting into what he has for us, is the moment we start moving away from him. And I'm not saying that you have to spend every minute of every day just being like, oh, God, I need you, right? That's not practical. But if we're moving a little bit forward every day, that's growing closer to him. That's digging deeper. And the whole point of this is so that when the bad things come, that we'll be able to withstand those things, right? We never stop growing. We need to read the word, Spend time in God's word and don't just read it, apply it to your life. 
Because if you're just looking at it as a book and as words on a paper, it has no power for you. But if you take it and you apply it to your heart and you apply it to your lives, that's when it has power. That's when it has the ability to change who you are on the inside. So we need to read his word. You need to spend time praying, just like Paul did, worshiping. And, and worshiping doesn't have to be like this. Worshiping is the way that you live, as a glory to God, right? And then as I tell my students, I, I always tell them they need SYM time. What is it, Kaylee? Shut your mouth time. There's got to be time when you pray where you're not talking, when you're allowing God to speak to you. Because when you're having a conversation with someone, if I'm talking to Croy, I'm not just going to be like blah, 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 and never let him have the opportunity to respond back. If you want a relationship, it's got to be give and take. You talk to God, and God can speak through to you. And I'm not saying he's going to have the audible voice, hello, this is two months since you've last talked to me, right? It's probably not going to be the way that it is. But God can speak to you through his word. God can speak to you through other people. God can audibly speak to you too. But you got to be willing to take that time. And it's the most awkward feeling in the world when you first try. When you just stop and be quiet. Because it's not normal for us. There's always noise in our lives. But when we stop and we allow God to speak into us, that's when he can reveal his plan to us. That's where he can point out things in our lives. Hey, I need you to do this good or better. Or, hey, you're doing really good in this area. So make sure you have SYM time. Shut your mouth time. I know probably not the best way of putting it, but that's the way I put it, right? We need to build that right foundation. Start digging our roots down into what God's word has to say for us. James 1, through 25 says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. That's how we grow closer to God is we take God's word. We take that prayer time. We take that worship, and we apply it to our hearts and our lives. We allow God to do something on, with us on the inside. Because if we don't, it's just words in a book. It's just words on a page. I'm not saying every little detail in this book is going to help you. You get into the book of Numbers, and they start and talk about how many people are in which tribes. Unless you're a super biblical scholar and you know what all that means, probably not going to matter much, right? Who cares if they have 545,000 men, right? Who cares, right? But there's a lot of great things in this word. James is one of my favorite books because James is just straight to the point. Man, you need to do this, this, and this, and if you don't, Right? So read God's word and do something with it. And the second thing is we need to understand God's love for us and share that love with others. When we truly grasp what Christ did for us, we should be willing to tell others. It's like I talked about when you had that favorite thing that you just wanted to show everyone. When we grasp what God has done in our lives and we can share that with other people, we're like, man, this is what I used to be. And then God and now here's where I'm at. God's love did this for me. We need to understand that. Remember that time we first became a Christian? And you get that freedom and that sense of God just filling you. 
And you're like, yes, I want to do this. I want to, I want to reach other people. And you have that ambition to go out and tell everyone. But what happens when we go from first new believer to mature Christian? Sometimes we lose that sense of wonder of who God is and what he's done. Sometimes we lose that sense of his love and, and how awesome it is because we get used to it. How crazy is that, that we get used to the fact that Christ filled us, Christ set us free, that his love is so amazing. We need to get back to that, that first love. I love that song, Coming Back. I am coming back to first love, coming back to you. Literally going back and saying, God, I understand where I was before. I'm never going to forget who I was. Because when we forget who we were, sometimes we get this holier than thou, this, this thing in us that's saying, you know what, I'm just glad I'm not that person. Instead of, there by the grace of God go I. Right? That's saying, that's saying, you know what, that could be me, but because of God's grace, it's not. And I need to help them and show them God, God's grace too, right? 1 Corinthians tells us in 13, chapter 13 that we could have all the wonderfulness that God wants for us. We could speak in the tongue of men of angels. We can prophesy. We can have dreams. We can do all these wonderful things. But if we don't have one thing, it means nothing. We don't have love. All those things mean nothing. There's a lot of people that know the word, that probably live the word out in their lives, but nobody likes to be around them because they don't have love. So we need to understand Christ's love and then apply it to our lives and then share that love with others. And then the last one is we need to rely on God's strength in our struggles. He gives us the inner strength from his resources, not ours. When we're struggling, he's the one who provides the way. He's the one who gives us peace. He's the one who gives us strength. We need to trust in God in the hard times. Psalms 9.9 says this, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalms 62.5-8 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. We need to put our trust in God in the hard times and understand that he's got our back. Now, that's not saying that he's going to solve your issue just like that. Sometimes God allows us to struggle, allows us to go through things so that we can grow. We can become more of who he wants us to be. Sometimes it's our own mess up that causes those struggles, right? Sometimes you didn't have SYM where you didn't shut your mouth and you opened your mouth instead and you walked into what you're going in through, right? Other times it's just because we live in a fallen world that we're going through bad things that sickness happens, right? Just because you're sick, just because things are going on doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It's just because we live in a fallen world. But in every one of those situations, we need to learn to rely on God's strength. We learn to rely on him for our peace and our hope. And sometimes it's going to feel like God's not moving. It's going to feel like God's not doing anything, that he doesn't see what you're going through. But I tell you, he does. Not always, you're not always going to know that God's moving in the background. You're not always going to know what God's doing, but he does see you. He sees every detail of your life, and he cares. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about your struggles. And he wants you to know that. So rely on him for strength in our struggles. And here's the cool thing. The last part of those verses that we read about Paul. 
It says God is able to do all we can ask, more than all we can ask or imagine. When you look at that being strengthened by the inner man, or strengthened by the Holy Spirit inside, having spiritual death, having the fullness of God, understanding Christ's love, if we pray for all that, God can do that in us more than we could ever dream. He can fill us with his spirit and turn us into exactly what he wants us to be. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And I just have one question for you this morning is, is what do you need to pray for this morning? Paul talked about a few different things. Having spiritual strength, allowing the spirit to fill us. Having that spiritual depth. Maybe you're, maybe you're saying, you know what, Pastor Kenny, I need the spirit to fill me because I need that power to live the right life for Christ or I need the power to overcome sin. Or maybe you're saying right there, it's spiritual death. You know what, Pastor Kenny? Kind of stopped learning, stopped growing closer to God, and I need to just dig into what God has for me. Or maybe it's you need to understand Christ's love and go back to that first love, and you're saying, you know what, God? I need everything that you have. I need all the love so that I can share with others. Maybe you're going through something right now, and it's hard. Because honestly, life is super hard at times. There's times where you just don't understand why things are happening. When you look at David in the Psalms, there's times where he cries out to God, and he's like, God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't even feel you moving, God. But yet God still moved in David's life. And if you're going through something, tell God. God's not afraid of your raw prayers. God's not afraid of you pouring out your heart to him. He's not afraid of you saying, God, I am struggling in this moment. I don't feel you. I don't even know if you see me. He's not afraid of that. He wants it. He wants you to be honest with him. So many times when we pray, I feel like we get this just process that we go through. We pray for this and this and this and this. When have you just poured your heart out to God? So if you're struggling and you need God to move in your life, now's the time to talk to him. And so if one of those things, you're just saying, you know what, I need to pray for this this morning. I just want to open up the whole room with my students. I don't have a specific spot where they go and pray. I just say, go somewhere where you feel comfortable to talk to God. It could be right where you're at in your seat. I've had students right over here next to the piano, right over here. I think I had one behind the sign on Wednesday. If that's where you want to be, that's where you want to get close to God, find a place. If you don't want to pray alone, go find someone to pray with you. How awesome is it that we have believers that will pray with us? If you want prayer, if you want to just come right up here and you, you don't want to go find someone, but you want someone to pray with you, right up here. If you're saying one of those things, God, I need this, whatever it is, then take time to get close to God. There's no better time than now. So I'm going to pray, and then if you want to pray too, I just invite you to. Otherwise, we're going to sing a song, and you can worship. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words that you spoke through, Paul, that were so incredible for the church in Ephesus, but also so incredible for our lives, God. God, I just ask that you would speak to us, that you would strengthen us through your spirit. It's not through our resources, God, but through yours. God, I ask that you would give us spiritual depth, that there's people here that are just struggling to grow closer to you, God, that you would reveal yourself to them. And God, if there's people here that are just struggling, there's something going on in their lives, and they're saying, you know what, God, I feel like I'm drowning in this sea of whatever it is, God, and I, I, I can't see you. God, help them. 
Show them that you know exactly where they're at and that you care. And God, I just ask that anybody in this room that's just saying, I need to know you more, God, that you would just reveal yourself to them miraculously. And we just thank you for it, God. All right, you can stand, you can sit, you can find any place you want to pray. Grab a friend if you need to, but let's just worship God.